Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Winona One-on-One. I am your host, Winona Daily News Editor John Casper, Jr. And this week, I'm joined by Winona State University President Scott Olson. Morning, John. How's it going, Scott? It's great. Uh, You have a homecoming week coming up around here. Um, I imagine that's kind of an abnormal week in in the life of a college (laughs) president. or, or is it? Or is you know, it? Uh... Okay, so I don't. I would. I don't think I'd ever use the word abnormal to describe <laughs> it. I. It's almost like um, epitome week, kind of. Because <clears throat> for me, it it sort of epitomizes um, the wonderful environment that is a college campus. So you have, um, of, of course, it sort of centers on one or two athletic events, but you've got all these uh, alumni and alumnae coming back. We're giving out recognitions and awards to folks who have achieved amazing things and um and the students are having fun and you know and sometimes there's midterms you know that week depending on where it falls in october exactly so in a way you know i i think if you asked a lot of presidents um of of universities they would talk about that week as being kind of exhausting but epitomizing the whole university experience yeah do you have you know favorite events that you like to, to to attend that week there's there's an award ceremony that i well this year's there's a lot going on this year so on saturday night there's an award ceremony where we recognize distinguished alumni alumnae and employees that's a favorite because um, some of the folks i know some i don't but they're all folks who have achieved some pretty remarkable things mm-hmm. um uh Friday night, we're sort of double booked. There's a there's an exciting event going on in the Laird Norton building, um, and kind of a reception for the community and for folks who love the arts, uh, which is double booked with um, our Hall of Fame banquet, where we recognize this year we're recognizing the the remarkable 2006, 2007, 2008 men's basketball teams, and so I actually I. I if I remember right, I'm going to begin the evening at Laird Norton, and then I'm going to run over to the Hall of Fame event, and then I'm going to run back over to the Laird Norton event, and so you can have the police motorcade and everything. Like Ooh, that. that's <laughs> a great idea! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, that's right. Yeah. If the football team can get a kind Absolutely. of a police escort, yeah, you know, yeah, you should be or a, yeah. I mean, it's not too far. Yeah, I don't use a helicopter. I wouldn't count, I wouldn't count on. Like that, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have been for years. You know, I've been. Um, no, no, no one in the facilities area at Winona State takes me seriously about this, but I've thought a chairlift system, you know, yeah, from West yeah. Campus to Main Campus, sure. and now that you mention it, we could have chairlifts that sort of picked you up on the roof of Sampson and then chairlifted you there or you gondolas go. kind of over to Laird Norton and back. But yeah, um, fortunately, these ideas winter, don't yeah. ever gain any traction. You know, <laughs> sure, sure. Um, yeah, uh, you know, and there's also the parade on the, Saturday the parade, which is a big hit with you know my kids. Oh yeah, oh, um, awesome! I'm glad yeah, you bring them. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. We, we actually march in the parade with the WSU Children's Center, and then they like to hang out and get candy and everything. So, do you have a favorite? Is there a group that has a that usually has the best float or any any memorable floats uh, that that you've seen here at Winona State or any that you've had to say chastise them about or anything like that? So the dilemma. It, um, when you're in the parade, is it's hard to see the parade. Sure, I bet. Yeah. So um, there's a really funny um, Lake Wobegon story about um, 
the, the living flag. Have you ever heard this story where mm-hmm. the citizens of Lake Wobegon dress up in red, white, and blue ca- caps or shirts or something, and they, they all form a giant living flag on the football field b- okay. based on the colors, you know? Sure. So from above, it looks like a living flag, but once they form the living flag, they realize that every single citizen of Lake Wobegon is in the flag. So nobody can see the flag. So they take turns one at a time to run up to the top of the football stands right, and look sure. down for 30 seconds and then run back down into the flag. It's a yeah. great start. So um, I don't see a lot of the parade yeah. um, because Kelly and I are in a car kind of right. in the front end of it. And then when we get to the end of the parade route, um, we do our best to try to hop out and run over and watch some of the parade. But oftentimes, I don't think it's happening this year, but oftentimes there's another um, event that we have to run to before the parade's actually over. I don't know if that's happening this year. I haven't checked. So as far as favorites, it's always fun to see the Hall of Famers, all, all the folks from ages you know, 25 to 95 mm-hmm. on their uh, float and kind of coming by and waving and the the joy they have of getting together every year and celebrating, you know, what Winona State, what Winona meant to them. That's a lot of fun. And the Student Senate always does a nice job, I think. Um, the the basketball team is is often one that gives both joy and worry because they're sometimes as they get down to the end of the parade route around Zaza's, they're, they're often shooting basket baskets, uh, shooting balls up at the top of the roof yeah. where there's usually people waiting who then throw the balls back down. Right. And so yeah. that's kind of... Now, luckily, they're good shots, right? <laughs> so that we don't have... Well, I remember last year uh, standing across from Zaza's saying, looking up at those kids up there. So you know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? Oh, yeah. my gosh, please don't fall. You know? Yeah, yeah, don't <laughs> it's, fall. It's a busy yeah. enough day for us uh, as, as, you know... Yes. Yeah. So, so as far as, you know, worry, I guess, you know, the parade moves pretty slow. But I know they're... You know, we worry about folks, you know, kind of encroaching into the street yeah, too much yeah. or crowding the route or... Um, so we, you know... We do our best, I guess, to have folks try to keep folks back on the curb. Um, we most of the early, early, you know, the cars that are going are throwing candy or beads, sure. and Kelly and I throw both. And so, depending on our accuracy, that means little kids are running, you know, mm-hmm. to the curb or into the street to try to grab stuff. So that's, I, I don't worry about that a whole ton because it seems like it's all moving pretty slow. Sure, but. Sure. I'm curious. How do you pick Homecoming Week? Is it? Do you have to? Is it a you know, juggling act where you have to look they, at they t- this first? I, I would say I'm usually told, not asked. Okay. <laughs> um, but it, it is a juggling act because um, you know you can't have it too soon. You know right. you can't have it in um, August or even the first half of September when we're already playing football. And when you get into November, your uh, the weather's not conducive or dependable enough to have a great homecoming event. So I think, it, you know, and then how many home games do you have in a year? You yeah, know? Yeah. So it, it, it really kind of boils down to from that last week of September till maybe the third week of October, there's two home games. Mm-hmm. And then you're just sort of going back and forth about, well, you know, which one might be the better one and um, 
we also have a family weekend that was last weekend as it happens this year. So that yeah. was in September that we're trying to mix, put in the mix. And, you sure. know, when you want to have a, um, I, I suppose somebody out there is thinking about who the opponent is. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, well, I know if Tom came in and said, Hey, this, this is, this is a good one, you know? <laughs> well, it is, it is, um, the issue with the opponent is actually maybe a little different than what your listeners might think it is. The issue with the opponent is, um, Sort of not. I, I I don't think they're they're starting from the premise of like who can we beat, you know, because we want to win homecoming because you don't right. always win homecoming, but rather how can we not overbook the airline in right. terms of so to speak, in terms of an opponent who would already mm-hmm. have been a major draw. So so the best example I can give you for that would be when we play Mankato, as we did last Saturday, mm-hmm. we are standing room only, as you know well, John. You know, yeah. we've got the student section full, we've got all the seats sold, and then we've got um, 100 people standing around four deep along the sidelines, you know, in, in various parts of the stadium. So playing Mankato on homecoming means lots of homecoming fans maybe can't even get in, can't get tickets. Sure. So you would prefer to have an opponent for homecoming to balance that attendance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and there are some other opponents that you know you're going to have a, a, a you know you're going to have a bigger crowd for. But the biggest of all would be Mankato. We just sure. know if we're playing them. We're, it's always competitive. It's always a great game, as it was. Yeah. You know, first half a little better than second half. Yeah. Um, and so you you, you want to try to find a game where it's fun to be there because people can buy seats. You know, sure. they can they can get into the to the stadium. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it seems too that Winona State wants. You know, they don't just want their campus community to take part in homecoming. It seems like there's an invitation for the. The, the the town to get involved as well, you know, with the with the parade or the game day experience, you know, this the, that's before football games now. Uh, is this kind of a time too for the town to kind of take take part in this? Yeah, you know, the parade um, is a little bit like the Steamboat Days parade in that regard. Yeah. I think in that in that you have um, it's really fun to be on that parade route because you see lots of community folks who live in the neighborhood or maybe didn't even live in the neighborhood. They just want to come see the parade, bring their sure. kids and folks who otherwise aren't um, directly a part of the Winona State family other than that we share this beautiful town of Winona together. Um, so that's a, a super fun thing there. The game day experience, I'm really glad you brought that up. So we started that last year. Every time we do it, it just gets bigger and bigger. And um, if your listeners haven't been, I would really invite them to come and, and see what that's all about because... It is. It has become a very community-oriented event. Lots of folks from the community bring their kids, and there's so many fun things to do for kids there. There's a little bouncy house. There's an enormous bouncy house. I didn't know they had so many types of bouncy houses. This last week, it was like it looked like like a giant pirate ship with a giant octopus swallowing it up or something. And that and the thing was. Yeah. That was as tall as the Kruger Library and yeah. <laughs> huge, and kids were just going crazy in there, um, and face painting and sure. food, f- free food, you know, mm-hmm. and food for sale, and it's just a really wonderful, festive environment. Whether or not you end up going on to the football game, mm-hmm. it, you don't have to, you know, yeah. you can just come and enjoy the game day experience, and lots of people do that. So, yeah. 
So it just keeps growing. It's a great new tradition at Winona State that I think will go for a long time. And it, it, it makes the whole, you know, Saturdays in the fall just right. so fun to be on campus. Yeah, it seems to establish, you know, like a game day feel that you might get at a larger, you know, a larger state school or something like that. It, kind of, it brings a little bit of that to... I think that's right. And I, when we have guests, you know, we had some um, colleagues from uh, Mankato were here on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the athletic director and their VP for advancement and some community people who I remember from the time that I worked over at that institution. And um, they they were awed and amazed by it because there's nothing quite like that in Mankato. And right. most of the NSIC don't have a thing like that. So sure. we're very proud of it. it, it it's a fantastic thing. Uh, and I hope your your listeners will come give it a try because it there's nothing else quite like it. I don't think yeah. in Winona. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a, a month after we have this this great unifying event, we have the the elections coming up, and that can tend to to be be you know tear tear some people apart a little bit. You know, is there anything that WSU can do as a university? To keep that dialogue positive and engaging and you know res- 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 respectful as possible, I I think Winona State's really really good at this. Um, we are part of a thing called the American Democracy Project, and uh, I I think Winona State has has done a really good job of finding ways to have respectful conversations about really important and difficult topics. We won an award last time around from um, the Secretary of State Simon, who came to campus and presented our students, it was all really our students' work, uh, an award for um, getting out the vote, um, registering students to vote. And we hope to win that award again this time. Um, you'll find lots of different um, candidates of different political um, beliefs coming to campus mm-hmm. between now and then and receive a, um, I hope a respectful welcome but we but you know it um, civil civic society doesn't sort of happen by mistake it, it isn't inevitable you have to work at it you have to work at listening to people who don't agree with you and uh, an openness to other opinions and one thing we do two things we do that I'm very proud of in that regard. One is a thing um, called TED Talk Tuesday, where we bring um, students lead this. The students choose a TED Talk, and then they they show it, like highlights of it. Not, maybe not the whole talk, but they'll show highlights of the talk. And then the students will lead other students and you know employees in a discussion about whatever the issues were that were raised there. Um, that has led to a lot of kind of mutual understanding and, and regard. But but maybe even more dramatic than that is we have this thing called the warrior debate. This is right up the alley of lovers of the First Amendment, as I know the Winona <laughs> Daily News is. Um, at the warrior debate, what we do is we have um, two teams of students, usually two students on a team, debate um, a, a trending social issue, something that is a hot topic at the time. And so last year, um, the topics they debated, um, I can't remember which was in the spring, which was in the fall, but the two topics they debated were 
Uh, one of them was, do guns make us safer? So you would have one side saying, yes, guns do make us safer, and here's why. Mm-hmm. And the other side would be saying, no, guns don't make us safer, and here's why. And the other topic was, um, is taking the knee, um, e.g. football players, yep. NFL football players taking the knee, is, is taking the knee an effective form of protest. What's most interesting about these debates, two, two features are really interesting about them. The first is that the student teams don't know which side of the debate they're gonna be debating oh, until five minutes before, okay. right? <clears throat> Excuse me, so they show up prepared to debate either side and then the names are drawn out of a hat and team A is told well, you're the yes team and team B is told you're the no team or mm-hmm. vice versa. And then they have to actually argue whatever side they were given. This helps because the audience knows that they may or it's hard to get angry at somebody who is engaged in that intellectual activity, right? Yeah. The, the person arguing may or may not actually agree with their position. So it's the effectiveness with which they argue it. And, you know, a, a really good way to try to understand somebody who disagrees with you yeah. is to try to make their argument yeah. the way they would make it. Yeah. And listen Absolutely. to it. You, you may at the end not agree with it, but at least you'll understand where they're coming from. Another feature that's interesting about it is it isn't a, <clears throat> they do a pre-vote and a post-vote. And the issue is not sort of at the end, where is the audience? You know, which side do they pick? The question is, which team moved the needle more? So let's say at the beginning of the debate, 20 per, we poll the audience, and we use this cool digital technology to do it. I won't go into that. But we poll the audience, and let's say 20% agree with yes, and 80% agree with no. Mm-hmm. That's before. And then they have the debate. At the end, 30% agree with yes, and 70% agree with no. You might say, well, no one. But the way we score it, yes one, because they move the needle from 20% who agreed with them to 30%. Yeah. So they were the ones who actually moved the needle. Huh, interesting. interesting. So a lot of fun. It's called Warrior Debate. Yeah. <coughs> the public is invited. We stream it live um, on uh, our website. And last time we did that, I think we had 700 viewers online or something like that. It was a, That's cool. it was a yeah. Interesting, yeah. Well, but it's to, fun to be there in person. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to come come to the to the to the uh, next one um, you know ed- education always seems to be a big topic every election uh, you know in what ways do you feel WSU has evolved since he became president and in what ways uh, does it still need to grow in order to better serve students well I think I think your listeners who live in Winona <coughs> will have noticed some physical transformations, you know, in the last mm-hmm. six and a half years. Um, we did a major renovation of our student center, Crisco, um, and that's been pretty remarkable. We, with some controversy, we completed the tunnel project that was 15 years old and counting. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, the Laird Norton uh, building, sometimes known to the locals as the Lumber Exchange or the UBC building, but we call it the Laird Norton Center for Art and Design. Um, that was donated to the university, and that's a spectacular building, be much used during homecoming. And it's under good, it's a, that's such a beautiful building, and it's under our care now. And then, of course, the Education Village, 
which is transforming that part of our community for the better, we think. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. So there's been a lot of physical transformation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I know we're, you know, about a year away from Ed Village opening. Is that right? It's still fall? Of yeah, it should open. Um, it'll have like a soft open uh, late spring where okay. people can maybe move stuff in, but we wouldn't schedule anything in there. Sure. But then there should be, for next August, there should be classes in there and stuff. That's the plan. Yeah. yeah. And it's making good progress. So. Sure. <clears throat> so th- that's sort of, those are some of the physical transformations. Yeah. I think people who stroll the campus notice that it's kind of returning back to some of its former physical beauty in our arboretum. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of an important thing. We've done some additional investments over in Rochester that have been proven uh, fruitful. Uh, we opened up a like a downtown campus center, not a big thing, but a, some classrooms and offices in downtown Rochester that have been helpful to complement what we do over at RCTC, Rochester Community Technical College. Um, we've added some programs that I'm especially proud of, and there's more to come. We added a professional science master's degree. That's that's a a, a science graduate program that's really for people who want to work in the science professions, work in the industry, rather than go on and become a professor with a PhD. Um, We were one of the first in the region to do that, and that's a pretty cool program. We added an ethics studies program. We are in the process of final approvals at the Higher Learning Commission for new graduate programs, a Master of Social Work, and uh, a Doctorate of Education that should be rolling out soon. So programmatically, I'm very proud of those additions. There are things that we've heard from our communities that we serve that they're needed. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oh, and wh- one other thing. Uh, we started a program that, that's called a parent or professional program. It's for uh, students who are already employed by a school district um, but are not currently licensed teachers, but would like to be licensed teachers. And so it's kind of an after-school program for people who work for a district so that they can earn a teaching license and then go on and be a teacher. And that's added quite a diverse group of of new employees to some of the school districts around here, especially Rochester. Is that from, you know, is that from people at the school districts telling you, hey, this is something that we need? Yeah, very much. Yeah, I imagine that's, you know, I'd imagine more more universities will be in tune to the needs of their community as far as, you know, what what can we do to help you either advance your career, change careers, get into get into a new career, or what or how however you want to say it. I think Winona State has done a nice job. And by the way, this is something that I inherited, right? So I hope I just <laughs> help enhance it. It wasn't sure. anything that that I that's uh, that I created, but it's something that's very much about Winona State and who we are. Um, <clears throat> there is a, there's a, a, I think a great balancing here of learning for the love of learning. Kind of like a small liberal arts college model where you're, you're learning just for the joy and the love of learning, balanced with preparation for life, whether it's citizenship or professions. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, um, 
I love the way Winona State has balanced that. You know, I, I think we're very responsive to the needs of nonprofits, business and industry in terms of programs that help um, help serve them and that students will be be able to pursue as professions and be prosperous, but also just the love of learning for its own sake and helping instill that value of learning which helps people be curious and mm-hmm. become subscribers to newspapers and yeah, read and yeah. think <laughs> and grow for their whole life. Sure. So, sure. Um, and it, it's hard to get that balance right. And mm-hmm. I think Winona State has, and I'm super proud of that. Yeah. Uh, any big building projects on the horizon? I know. Well, <clears throat> so our um, we have the the College of Education currently today resides in Gildemeister Hall. And um, Gildemeister is more than, I think, any other building on campus, very reminiscent of a high school built in the late 60s. Maybe that was by design because the College of Education lived there, but, um, and that will, because the College of Education is moving over to the Education Village, the... Gildemeister will have all but one of the programs that are in there vacating it. And uh, so that sort of calls the question of, well, what are you going to do with Gildemeister? And then the, in the entire Minnesota state system, so this is the system of all the colleges and all, all the state colleges and all the state universities in Minnesota, all of them, the building that scores the worst on the facilities condition index <laughs> is Watkins. And we love Watkins, and we're yeah. big on Watkins, but, the, uh, but that building j- just has so much deferred maintenance that that is also on the list. I mean, so we have to do something with that. So those two buildings will be the next thing we'll be focusing on and trying to figure out what's a great use for them and sure. how, you know, how do we repurpose them for a time when the College of Education isn't over there anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, with your background in media, I'm curious to, to kind of... Pick, pick, pick your brain a little bit just about the future of media, future of newspapers, future of, you know, TV broadcasts, however you want to say it, you know. I mean, where do you think media is right now and, and you know, how do you, where, where do you think it, 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 it needs to improve? So, um, at the risk of sounding a bit like a dinosaur, <laughs> um, I get three printed newspapers on a daily basis at home. Yeah. <laughs> And a weekly, and um, still prefer to consume media in a printed format, mm-hmm. um, at least journalistic media. And my reason for that is kind of old fashioned. It's that I have a lot of trust. in folks like you, John, editors of newspapers, to figure out, you're a professional. So the question I'm asking is, what do I need to know today? Sure. (laughs) And I may not know what I need to know, but I trust the editor of the Winona Daily News and the editor of your competitor here in town and the editor of other papers to... um, Together to have thoughts about, you know, here's an important thing that you need to know. And if we only seek 
news or, or information about things that we have already identified as areas of interest, we might miss really important things that are happening in the world. Mm-hmm. Because I may not put down a filter that says, I want to know what's happening in Argentina right. with the economy. Or I want to know um, what's happening at the border talks between North and South Korea and the DMZ. Mm-hmm. You know, left to my own device, I might only seek information about Springsteen concerts or <laughs> <laughs> warrior, sure. warrior athletics or whatever yeah, yeah. I might seek. But there's lots of things going on in the world that I probably as a hopefully semi-literate, semi-educated individual that I should know. I should know these things. And that's a role that journalism plays. And I guess um, there was back in the, gosh, was it the 90s? There was this experiment that was called Crayon. I don't know if you remember that, but it was a, that was a sort of a, an acronym for create your own news. So the Cray, create, Y-O-N, your own news. And what you could do is you would go to this website and you'd say, well, I only want news about what's going on with the Winona schools and what's going on with the uh, Minnesota State Legislature regarding taxes or whatever you say. And then that's all you got. Sure. But that might mean that you, there's like really important things like, like this hurricane, you know, hit the southeast coast of the United States that I, I, I'm Minnesotan. I probably wouldn't put in, hey, I want hurricane news. You know, it wouldn't occur to me to enter that. So I, I worry about that. I worry about the future of journalism if it's really only um, sort of consumers of news pulling what they want rather than some sort of a push of you need to know this. Yeah, um, and that's our biggest struggle too is... Yeah. We need to balance, you know, what do people need to know versus what they would like to know. And we look at, you know, our our metrics online and what people are reading and what they aren't. And obviously, if people are reading things, there's more of a push to keep giving them that information. And if they're not reading it, well, then that probably means that they're not reading it in the the newspaper as well. So it, it is a struggle, but we still have to kind of provide, say, hey, there is a hurricane in North Carolina, or hey, there might be a coup in Venezuela that yeah, you the, may need to know, need something to know about. about. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I, I think th- there were readership studies done of, of journalism. I'm, I'm not as up to date on this as mm-hmm. I was when I actually was a dean of a college that included journalism back when I worked at Ball, Ball State, but there. There were readership studies that were coming out of um, Northwestern, I know, where they, they really found that, that people who tended to be big consumers, consumers of news in, in one medium were also big consumers of news in others. That, that it wasn't that, that sort of heavy readers of newspapers were maybe also heavy watchers of Fox News or CNN or the NBC Nightly News or C-SPAN. Mm-hmm. and also subscribers to magazines. So it wasn't as if there was a fixed amount of interest and you will capture it at the loss of your competitor. It was actually sort of more like a, a rising tide was raising all boats. And, mm-hmm. and the real challenge was just getting people to be consumers of the news at all. Yeah. Because if you could get them to consume, they will probably consume it across different platforms. 
And I suspect that's largely true in Winona, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. that folks who consume the daily paper are probably also consuming the free paper Mm -hmm. um, and not sort of choosing one or the other. And so, although you guys compete in some ways, in another way, you know, people who are news hounds are going to be voracious in their appetite. They're going to want more. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the good. That's the good news. But um, you know, I do worry. I, I've I've been reading a lot lately about you know um, the the role of social media in in the consumption of news. Yeah, and it does seem like there are some folks who consume their news solely through social media, and not balancing out that with other things. And of course. You know, the best antidote to fake news is to read multiple news sources, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, get, yeah. get a liberal paper, get a conservative paper, get a centrist paper, you know. I mean, that's yeah. more is, is the antidote. But if you're only choosing kind of one news source, or especially if you're choosing social media, you get in this echo chamber sure. where all you're hearing is stuff that um, verifies what you already believe to be true and doesn't challenge you to think, well, maybe what I'm thinking about this isn't true. Maybe I need to learn more. or Maybe I've assumed the wrong thing here. Yeah. And I think when done right, social media can offer that. You know, you can, if you don't go to, you know, the Wall Street Journal every day or whatever, you can still get their tweets and links and everything uh, sent to you or the Economist or whatever, you know, the New York Times versus a, 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 anything else, really. I, so. I think that's true, provided that the consumer is doing what you suggest. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but I think the social media might be more prone than other platforms to selectivity, selectivity yeah, in yeah. consumption. Sure. But, but it's, it's a part of a general moving away from mass communication right, to micro-communication or th- to things that are targeted. You know, when, um, you know, in the early days of, of the news media in the United States, it could only be massified, right? It was only massive mm-hmm. because the cost of owning a printing press you know, would have been right. prohibitive to most people. So, um, but now anybody in their basement can yeah. tweet out, you know, anything or, you know, spin out any story true or false they wish and depending on how sensational it is it might you know get a lot of traction and if people are only consuming from one source well that could be challenging yeah yeah yeah. um is this the first podcast you've done have you been on any others that you could think of um i I listen to a lot of podcasts i don't i i think i may have been on I think I have been on a podcast before, but I think it was repurposing of something else. Okay, sure. Not, not kind of this sort of conversation yeah, yeah, with yeah. the intent of it being a podcast, but I think there has been some repurposing of okay. speeches I've made or something that then got turned into a podcast. Gotcha. Are like, you a podcast listener? You I am. Favorites? Um, one of the occupational hazards of this particular job is there's a lot of uh, time spent in the car to yeah. and from St. Paul. <laughs> And um, <clears throat> and that's a lot of opportunity to you know when I'm not on the phone with somebody they'll be listening to podcasts so yeah. I um, I I am I do listen to a lot of podcasts the uh, probably my favorites 
would be so recommended if folks are interested in this. There's a great pod, two great podcasts that the BBC does. Um, that one is called In Our Time, and it's a sort of a culture and history podcast. Another is Thinking Aloud, and Aloud is spelled A L L O W E D, and that's um, sort of a social science research podcast. I listen to a thing called The Reality Check that comes out of Canada that's sort of a critical thinking mm-hmm. podcast applied to science. Um, and um, for fun, I, uh, lately, I, there, um, people might know who Adam Scott is. He was a, he's an actor who was on Parks and Rec, yeah. and he was in, uh, more recently, he was in... Um, Big Little Lies, um, playing. I think he was playing Reese Witherspoon's husband in yep. Big Little Lies, if I'm yep. not mistaken. Yeah, and he and a guy named Scott Ackerman, who pe- people maybe don't know as well, but he he's the founder of Earwolf, which is a podcasting empire, and he has that comedy Bang Bang podcast. And they do <laughs> they do this crazy podcast together, where for two hours. They ostensibly are talking about every... The, the first one was called You Talking U2 to Me, and they were supposedly talking about every U2 album and everything related to U2. <laughs> but they would go for two hours, and maybe in the last 15 minutes, they would talk about U2, yeah. and every single episode, they couldn't seem to remember the names of the band members, let alone what album they were talking about. It's very, very funny, yeah. and it makes a lot of... U2 fans very angry. Uh, And then then they finished up all the U2 stuff and then they started doing one called Are You Talking R.E.M. Re-Me? And so now they're almost done with that. They're they're, they're at the penultimate episode where they're, again, going through the whole catalog of R.E.M. stuff. And uh, being a lover of U2 and a lover of R.E.M., I I, I both like that they're talking about those bands Mm -hmm. but also that they are hilariously not talking about those bands. Yeah, so, yeah that's great. So those are kind of for fun. Yeah. How about you? What do you listen to? I like uh, uh, the, uh, there's a show or a podcast called the, the West Wing Weekly. Okay. Which is uh, the show of the West Wing. Yeah. Um, oh, where they go a, back like, through episodes of the West every Wing? every episode and talk oh, wow. about it. Um, it's hosted by a fan of the West Wing and then Josh Molina, who yeah. was an actor on the West Wing for the last few years. Um, he's on every one, or he's, he's a on, guest. He's he's on that. He's a co-host, so he's okay, on every wow. one. And they bring back people that were on on the show, or that were. Was he Toby was in the original? He one? was um, Will. Oh, Will. Okay. So he joined about halfway through. He replaced uh, Rob Lowe's character. He okay. replaced Sam Sam Seaborn. Um, but the other cool thing that they do is they bring in policy experts or people in governments that are experts in that area that the show may have covered that that week. If they're talking about gays in the military, they'll bring in a somebody who worked in the Pentagon during that time who fought to end Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Um, they had Justin Trudeau on one week. Uh, so, <laughs> For real? Yeah, because he's a oh. huge West Wing fan. Oh, is he? Okay. So, uh, yeah, oh. so it's kind of interesting that, you know, not every week is that, but they do kind of explore some of the issues that the show tackles and tries to inform the... You know, their listeners or anybody who wants more. So that's, so that's I kind of one that I, I really I enjoy. I haven't gone back and watched West Wing since its original run. And sometime around the end of... I can't remember why this would be the case. It was either The Age of Our Kids or something else that was on. But around the time that was getting to the end of President Bartlett's presidency... And then wasn't Jimmy Smith's like running Jimmy for president Smith's or something? Jimmy Smith was running against Alan Alda. Yeah. Yeah. So so it was right about there that I 
I, I stopped watching, so I haven't seen okay. like that last season or two. Yeah, well, I won't ruin it for you. But the, the last season I thought was pretty good. I thought really? it okay. off. Like Aaron Sorkin left after season four, and I thought it kind of dipped off a little bit. But the last season got was kind of old school West Wing type. So Aaron type Sorkin stuff. always interesting. Um, I love the Social Network. I thought that movie was mm-hmm. so insightful about the innate, kind of the innate nature of social media. But his latest project, it opens in a month or two, is um, he's written his own adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird that's yeah. opening on Broadway, and Jeff Daniels is playing Atticus Finch. <laughs> and it's been kind of controversial. In fact, there was a lawsuit brought, I think, from Harper Lee's estate against the producers of the play. I'm not sure how that resolved exactly. Because I think it is, let's say it's not quite the Atticus that most of us think of when we read To Kill a Mockingbird or that we see in the film version of To Kill a Mockingbird with Gregory Peck, but a little bit of the Atticus Finch from, um, what was that called, Catch a Watchman or, you know that? Yeah, Go go Set a Watchman. Go, go. Something like that. Go yeah. set a watchman. So yeah, okay. Sorry, listeners. So, we, like, we should look this up beforehand. Three or four. Something with watchmen yeah. in it. <laughs> There's a um, watchman involved. In other words, uh, an, an Atticus who maybe, you know, isn't quite sure. free of, of racism. Um, and I'm not sure how that all ended or settled, but I know the Harper Lee estate was concerned with the portrayal huh, that, that, that was in Aaron Sorkin's play. And we'll see. Oh. It hasn't opened yet. Yeah, That's what he's that been working he on. He would have had the rights or whatever. I don't think he can just start a play and call it and use those characters without buying something along the way but may, maybe you can well I suppose you could buy the mind. rights and you know on yeah. the basis of how you say you're going to do it and then yeah, when they read the changing, you know yeah. Yeah. so and whether there were changes in it after that I don't know but yeah. uh, interesting yeah, but uh, yeah Aaron Sorkin I mean he's always doing something kind of interesting yeah and that's his background plays he started in plays uh, you know um, and now I'm drawing a blank on the movie with the uh, the military movie um the one with Tom Cruise in it, uh, with Jack Jack Nicholas said, "You, you can't handle, you can't the, handle truth. the truth." Yeah, uh, a few good men. Yes, thanks, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, but it, he wrote he wrote that as a play first, and, so. and after didn't he after um, West Wing he had that show that was sort of a dramedy about Saturday Night Live, yeah, Studio not 60. quite, yeah yeah, 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 which had some of the same cast members from West been, Wing, yeah, yeah, but ended up competing with Tina Fey's. Right, and for years, far more I, successful sitcom approach for years, to the I same thing. I held a grudge against Thirty Rock because yeah. I thought Thirty Rock's success kind of downplayed, you know, you know overshadowed what I thought was a yes, because Studio, Studio 60, Sixty or whatever it was that didn't it last did a season, did it? No, it, it, it they finished the season. I think he tried to cram three storyline, three seasons of stories in the in the one season. But uh, um, yeah, it just I think it was hard. It was easy to get people to care about you know characters working at the West Wing. I don't think it was as easy for for people to care about you know actors in a, on a Saturday Night Live type type show and their problems and their problems. <laughs> such yeah, as, such it, as it, wasn't, it wasn't as valiant work that they were doing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, but well, thank you. I kept you longer than, than I said I would, and I know you're you're, you're playing injured today. You know, so I, I really appreciate you uh, uh, st- uh, uh, hanging in there with me for, for for almost an hour here. Is there anything else you wanted to add that that we haven't covered or? Um, um, just uh, an invitation for listeners to know that Winona State, we love it when community members come and join us on campus for anything going on here, lectures, plays, concerts, performances, 
um, and athletics. So a general invitation, but also a thank you to you, John, for this project. I hope the podcast continues to gain listeners, and I look forward to the next time we have this conversation. All right. Well, thank you very much, Scott. Thank you.